Well, good morning. It's great to see you in worship. To our guests, thank you for coming to Yorkshire Church to worship today. If there is something that we can do to be of assistance to you in days ahead, especially if you're new to our community, make that known to us. For those of you that I haven't met, I'm Dennis Hummel. I'm the senior pastor on staff here, and it's, uh, it's our pleasure to have you worship with us today. Well, we have a taste of early, early fall in uh, the weather this morning, and it's absolutely gorgeous and beautiful here in south-central Pennsylvania. And here in the loveliness of our sanctuary, we find ourselves very comfortable. And yet I doubt that there is one person among us who is not very, very aware at this exact moment of those who are facing natural disasters. You look at what has been occurring across the face of our land. There are wildfires in the Northwest. There is flooding in Texas. There is devastation and destruction occurring right now in Florida while we are here. People that we love and places that we enjoy are being taken from us in these climactic times. Looming large before the world are the voices of maniacal leaders who want to rule the world, who want to take charge of the rest of us. Some of them want to obliterate America and eliminate democracy from the face of the land. That's where we are historically this morning on this September 10, 2017. Some of you never thought you would see such a time as this. But we do see it. We're in the midst of it. Folks, these are dangerous, dangerous, and dark days. The truths of the Bible are being displayed. God is declaring his word as true, and we cannot miss that. We must understand that that which has been presented to us in the ancient word is ever new, and it is the contemporary, relevant word for this morning and for every morning. God, in what is occurring around us and across the planet, is calling his creation to himself. And our only hope, the only hope of this world is to turn to God Almighty through his Savior Son, Jesus Christ. The only way we're going to move through this darkness to light, the only way that we're going to come out of this devastation and destruction to life that is abundant, is in God, understanding his word, living that word, and being the people he wants us to be. I want you to help this morning with a reading of scripture. And I'm going to ask you to pull a hymnal from the book rack and turn in the back of that hymnal to Psalm 148.
Now, as you have found that psalm on page 861, pay very close attention as we read. Pay very close attention as we read. You, of course, will respond by reading boldface type. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise the Lord in the heights. Praise the Lord, sun and moon. Praise the Lord, all shining stars. Let them praise the name of the Lord, who commanded and they were created. Praise the Lord from the earth, sea monsters and all deeps. What was that you read? Stormy wind, fulfilling God's command. Pay close attention to these words. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth. Let them praise the name of the Lord, whose name alone is exalted, whose glory is above earth and heaven. Now I take you to the New Testament scripture. This from the 13th chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans verses 8 through 14. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Do this, knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. That text requires little explanation. If you pay close attention, if you follow the words, you immediately understand what the apostle was getting at. Many years ago, seeing and understanding its relevance for today is not complicated. So it's interesting this morning that we will be putting together the words of the psalmist and the apostle Paul. 
words that were proclaimed that re- and stating that responsiveness to the word of God provides awareness of his presence, the calmness of his peace, and the strength of his power. Now I take you again to the 14th verse of Psalm 148. And he has lifted up a horn for his people. Horn, wherever that appears in the Old Testament, is always the symbol of power. And he has lifted up a power for his people. Praise for all his godly ones, even for the sons of Israel, a people near to him. Praise the Lord. And from the letter to the Romans that we just read, again, hear the 14th verse. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Both those verses summarize sanctification for those who are saved by faith and transformed into the image and the likeness of the Savior, Son of God. In the design and orderliness of creation. In the design and orderliness of creation. We see the unbreakable plan of God. We see the covenants of God that he has set forth and made with us. That the world is in his hands. That's a sweet song. We don't hear it very often, but we sing it and we smile and we get warm, fuzzy feelings. But the hard reality is the world belongs to God. It doesn't belong to you. He's only given it to you to take care of for him. And that's our responsibility. And that's the honorable place that we occupy. So Paul, in writing to the Romans, wanted his readers to understand there is a connection between what is on the inside of people, what they're thinking, what they're like on the inside, and the way they are on the outside. Paul had great concern for Roman Christians. He had not visited their church. He hadn't been there, but he knew of them, and he wanted to encourage them with rich doctrine and with spiritual and practical instruction. Now, this portion of Romans follows a very interesting instruction that Paul gives to that church. He says, you are to submit to government. You are to be exemplary citizens. And you can go back and read this later today. And the last thing he says, we're all going to like and pay your taxes. (laughs) He says, pay your taxes. Honor the government. Do what's asked of you. He then launched in to acts of love being as obligatory for Christians. Listen to this. Acts of love being as obligatory for Christians as paying their taxes. He underscored his point with excerpts from the Ten Commandments and pointed out that Christians have a choice to act in a certain way in a God-honoring, God-glorifying way, 
because it is the right thing to do or to go in an opposite direction and dishonor God and live a sinful life. Now, God wants us to love him first. That's clear across the pages of Scripture. God wants you to love him first. And then he wants you to love your neighbor. Clearly the emphasis that is placed there in Scripture on love of God and love of neighbor is about an interpersonal relationship. Well, then Paul went on and, and uh, contrasted uh, that with the, with the spiritual ease and thinking that was warping the culture of the Roman church. In fact, that spiritual ease is still plaguing many churches today. When I was reading Paul's letter, did verse 11 stand out for you? Let me help it do that right now. Here's verse 11. Paul says, do this knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. It is time for you to awaken from sleep. What's he saying there? He's saying, sit up, pay attention. It's time to to get this spiritual lethargy and ineffectiveness out of you and to move on with strength in the power that God has promised his people so that you can be God's people. This love that, that God has for his creation, you see, is given to us to bless us, nurture us, sustain us, but it's not just for you. God's love is not given just for you to possess. God's, listen carefully, God's love is given to you on its way to someone else. God's love is given to you on its way to someone else. The more that we love God and the more that we share his love, that's why we're having this great new class on, on, on sharing the truth of the word. The more you will find excitement and joy in your faith. It is in the application, in the usage, in the presentation of the gospel through you that you become stronger and larger in your faith. God's love comes to us on its way to someone else. That's illustrated in an old Bible story that you learned long ago, many of you, when you were in Sunday school. Some of you have studied it more recently. It's called the story of the Good Samaritan. That's the story of of a man lying in a ditch. And a 
a priest and a Levite come by. One man says, I'm not going to touch him because, yuck, he's beaten and he's bloody and he smells. Why would anybody let themselves get into such a situation? And the next man comes by. The one who was not considered the holy man. And he takes care of the man's needs. And he gets him help. Restores him. And he heals him. That story tells us that our neighbor is anyone in our sphere of influence. Anyone in our sphere of influence whose needs we can meet or whose sufferings we can eliminate. It tells us love takes action. There is a reality orientation that must take place today in the church of Jesus Christ. There is a reality orientation that must take place in the church of Jesus Christ, and it has two steps. The first one is to, is to put on something. It's get our bearings. It's time to determine that the hour is late and we need to rise up in the strength of the kingdom of God. It's time to assess where you are headed, Christian man and woman, and what you are doing with the remaining days of your life. It's time to assess what you are doing with your life and where you are headed with the remaining days that God gives you. Look again at verse 11, Romans 13. Do this knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep for now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. If that word was a true word, and it was for the Roman Christians when Paul wrote it, how much closer are we to end time? God in his mercy in his willingness to be long-suffering with us, gives us opportunity to repent and to come to him and belong to him fully and completely through Jesus Christ. But there is a time coming. Do you not see the tornadoes? Do you not see the hurricanes? Do you not see the wildfires? Do you not see the earthquakes? The Bible tells us that when these things occur, you need to pay attention because the word of God is closer to being fulfilled in its entirety than it ever was before. The risen Lord, Jesus Christ, you need to understand this. If you don't know it, then learn it this morning. The risen Lord, Jesus Christ, promised he will return. 
He will come back. We should know this as Christians and we should anticipate it. Scripture is being fulfilled, brothers and sisters. It's coming true before our eyes. Watch the Weather Channel this afternoon. Watch the reports from Texas. Watch the stories out of Florida. Watch the earthquake reports from Mexico. Watch the reports of the flower of the of the fires in the Northwest. Watch the reports of that man- maniac in North Korea. And then pick up your Bible and see how relevant the Word of God is and how what we are living through has been pointed to in God's Word. Now Paul says, our salvation is nearer now. That's true for me this morning. That's true for you. Our salvation is nearer now than when I first accepted Jesus. The same thing is true for you. Here's what that means. If you have accepted your salvation, if you have accepted God's acceptance of you, and you are a saved woman and a saved man, there is still more to come. You don't have all of it yet. There's more to be given you. You have been saved from the penalty of sin, but still to be enjoyed, still to be enjoyed is the ultimate freedom from sin when Christ takes us to the glory of his eternal heaven. Then we will know the full potential of being saved. So how do we live? What do we do with this? This is biblical truth. Well, we emulate Christ. We emulate Jesus Christ. We adopt his attitudes. We refuse to think in secular or cultural terms. At another point in Romans, Paul wrote, the creation groans, it longs for the revealing of the children of God. John tells us that the children of God are those who have acknowledged him and have received his power. Oftentimes we hear that we're all children of God. No, we're not. Not according to the Bible. We're the creation of God. We're all made in God's image, but not until we receive Jesus. Name him as Lord, John says. Do we receive the power to become the children of God? Who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? There's some things that in this reality orientation we need to put off. If there are things in your life this morning that would embarrass you before God, you need to get rid of them. If you're doing something, if you have thought patterns, if you have, if you have activities that would embarrass you before God, 
You need to get rid of them for your eternal salvation. Discard, put off, take out of your life, get rid of it. What has no place and will have no place in eternity. I have had three weddings to officiate this summer and next weekend I'll have the pleasure of doing my fourth. Those are wonderful occasions. And it's, it's such, been such a pleasure to, to work with, with these four couples because, well, one was my son and new daughter-in-law and, and the others were, were are, are young men that I've known for years and years and years and have had the privilege of meeting with them and counseling with them and, and working to the point of, of their wedding day. And the, the young women they're marrying are lovely young women. And they're excited and they're, they're, they're doing all the things that you, you do, you know, to get ready for a wedding. And uh, you ladies with, you know, getting your hair fixed just so coiffed for your wedding and, and your, your nails done and, and all of those things. And the guys with their special attire, it's, it's a very special time. Who does the bride, who does the bride dress for? She doesn't prepare herself in loveliness for me. She doesn't prepare herself in beauty for the wedding guests. She prepares herself for one, her groom, the one she's going to be with in life's journey. Do you know that brides represent the redeemed people of Jesus Christ? And as they walk toward their groom, they walk toward the one God has appointed to live his life sacrificially for her. Oh yes, guys, sacrificially for our wives. She dresses for one, her groom. And when a bride comes down the aisle, I never look at the bride. I always look at the groom. It's so exciting to see the glow on their face, the sparkle in their eyes the wonder that here she comes, she whom I have courted is coming for me. Now church, that's the way you want Jesus to look at you. You are the bride of Jesus Christ. If there's anything out of place, anything to soil your beauty. It's time to get rid of it. It's time to put it away and be done with that. Wouldn't it be great if with 
equal concern and enthusiasm for grace in your life that, that belongs to God, that we owe him and, and want to give him for glory. Each of us as Christians would, would have the same attitude, the same concern for propriety that the bride has on her wedding day. We should because we're the bride of Christ, his church. But instead, what many of us do, and some of you are doing this, and others in our fellowship are doing it too, you're not getting rid of things. You're maintaining unresolved conflicts. You're harboring bitterness. You have serious friction in your relationships that you will not humble yourself and be the one to take the initiative to stop. Those are sins. They separate you from the person God wants you to love. Paul said there are some things that the Christian needs to put on. Here's what it is. It's verse 14 again. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make him the one in charge, the one from whom you take your direction. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. He's saying, arm yourselves with the resources of Christ. Arm yourselves with the resources of Christ. Our ministry in in education and discipleship is beginning to flourish. It's enlarging rapidly. Tremendous opportunities are being presented to help you grow and mature in your Christian faith. Register, enroll, sign up. These are bookended events. They're not going to go on and on and on until death do you part. They're going to be for a few weeks. There's a start and there's a stop date. Sign up. Why won't you do that? Why won't you do that? So that you can... Enjoy the fellowship of believers and get to know Jesus better. You just received a mailing. Some of us did. And, and if you haven't received it, watch your mailbox tomorrow. Very, very attractive multi-piece mailing about many opportunities that your church is providing for your enrichment and growth and, and development in the faith. Are you saying, well, you know, geez, like, so much going. You bet you have so much going. You scheduled everything but church on your schedule. Sunday morning, I'll give to God. Sunday morning, God, one hour. You're not going to grow. 
You're not going to develop. And you may be lost. Make no provision for the flesh, the Bible says. Make no provision for the flesh. Those mailings that you got, put them somewhere where they're going to be on top of something that you handle almost every day. Guys, I strongly urge you to put that mailing from the church on top of your fantasy football league. Because I know you guys check that all the time. Notice I didn't tell you to put it in your Bibles. These are hard words, and I know it. But these are hard times. These are dangerous days. And you will not go to stand before Jesus and be able to say, well, when Dennis Hummel was our pastor, he never told us. He never warned us. He just let us go on our merry way. Absolutely not. And if I fall from your graces because of this sermon this morning, so let it be because I rise in God's. It's that serious. It's that serious. Paul says we need to cast off. We need to throw away that which is unsuitable in our lives so that we can understand and know his Savior's Son. Now you listen very closely to this next sentence. You can dismiss all that I have said this morning, but none of us, including the preacher, can dismiss this. Your salvation... My salvation may be completed before nightfall. Your salvation, my salvation, may be completed before nightfall. Only God knows what if it is? What if it is? Are you set? Are you ready? Be sure. Be sure, young person. Be sure, women. Be sure, men. Be sure, church staff, that you are ready to meet Jesus face to face because that's coming. I want you to pull those hymnals again and turn to page 466. At the bottom of that page is a prayer entitled, An Invitation to Christ. I want you to read it carefully, quietly to yourself. And having done so, 
I want us to pray it now together and make this sound like a prayer, not a rote reading. Come, my light, and illumine my darkness. Come, my life, and revive me from death. Come, my physician, and heal my wounds. Come, flame of divine love, and burn up the thorns of my sins, kindling my heart with the flame of thy love. Come, my King, sit upon the throne of my heart and reign there, for thou alone art my King and my Lord. Amen. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer sincerely, I want you to raise your hand to heaven. I want you to raise your hand if you prayed that prayer sincerely this morning. Lord God Almighty, so let it be that your daughters and sons understand that you have us covered in every way. Blanket us, O God, in your continual mercy and grace. In these difficult times, help us to see you clearly, to follow you closely, to love you completely. For the glory of your magnificent name, amen.